2: Welcome to the Proust Questionnaire.
1: 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick.
2: So I am really excited to talk today with Rowan Ricardo Phillips.
1: It's fantastic to have a poet on our Proust podcast, and what a poet he is, too.
2: Yeah, he's remarkable. So he's a considered still a young poet, um, but he's also written um, a tennis memoir and a book of criticism. And
1: he's a translator, too, right? Spanish, Catalan. That's right.
2: That's right. And the book of poetry, his first book is called Heaven, um, or one of his books is called Heaven, and the most recent book called Living Weapon, which just came out, which has kind of very kind of granular, detailed, immersed daily experiences that then sort of enlarge to very large concerns. Yeah. Um, And I've actually uh, had uh, Roan on another podcast and talked about uh, the poet Phyllis Wheatley, who was the first woman of African descent to publish a book in America in 1784. And we talked about the condition of being the first. Mm. And he said something really nice to me. He said, Uli, the canon, the tradition of literature didn't anticipate people like us. Right. It didn't actually, it kept on trying to perpetuate itself and people like us meaning anybody who brings a new voice into these conversations. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's you know it's not an easy balance I think to strike. Proust himself wrote a bit about this uh, during World War 1 about the position of artists um, relative to big political developments and social problems and how as an artist do you engage with that? in a way that doesn't just sound doctrinaire, that doesn't limit your creative vision, but also that acknowledges what's happening in the world. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this conversation with Rowan Ricardo Phillips was hearing the way that he takes on board these big issues of race and social social justice and uh, the problems, the many problems facing the planet today, uh, but His art is also in the service of kind of an even bigger, very um, humane vision.
2: And he's very committed to poetry. Yeah, Actually, he's a a very active um, reader, participant. I've seen him many times actually reading. And the one thing that was very moving, the late Harold Bloom, who passed away last fall, one of the great literary critics of sort of the generation above us, he sent Rick, uh, Rowan a letter and uh, about a year and a half ago and said, I received your your copy of Heaven and it gives me hope that there's a future for poetry in America. Hmm. Unsolicited, unprompted. Harold was not that well at that time.
1: Coming it, from Harold Bloom. I, I mean, mean, you he must get he thousands of books. Thousands
2: uh, of books. at Unsolicited, is him, yeah. He just sent a personal letter to Rowan and said, your poetry gives me hope. Which is, what, what more can we expect?
1: No, no, that gives me hope. I'm thrilled that we got to talk to him, and this is a really, uh, it's a, a thrilling conversation.
2: Really great conversation. Rowan, hi, welcome to the Post Questionnaire.
1: Yes, thank you for joining us all today.
2: Right. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, all right, I'll start, I suppose. Uh, first question, what is your idea of perfect happiness?
0: Oh, my idea of perfect happiness is clarity. That's what I always wish for my, my, my friends and loved ones. Yeah. Clarity. The rest comes with it, whether it's happiness, sadness, love, isolation, solitude. People want different things, but I just want mm-hmm. them to be clear. So for me, perfect happiness is clarity.
1: That's wonderful. Nice. We have, wow. Yeah, we hear many variations, obviously, on the theme, but that's a new one, and that's yeah. fantastic. And does that clarity, would you say that applies also then to... Your work, like when I first heard the word clarity, I was thinking about clarity in language. Oh
0: no, because that for me is about feeling. I I don't mind with my work. um, I don't mind an absence of clarity, but Mm -hmm. I do want kind of a sense of um, the arc of a journey. I'm much more about the process, and I trust the process. But in terms of kind of like what it means and everything like that, um, I don't. I never find myself worrying too much about that. Yeah, I mean we're kind of meaning machines, right? That's why we're here, so much more interested in the process than the result.
1: Sure. And you have clarity about your interest in the process.
0: Right. Well, and and I guess in that way, it is the same, because when I say clarity for, in terms of perfect happiness, it's about the process, not the result. People have different wishes for outcomes and everything like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, I'm a poet, so I know people who love solitude. Right. So I don't then say to them, you know, I wish you were, like, surrounded by people all of the time. (laughs) Yeah. But just kind of clarity. I think we're between social media and late capitalism and everything like that, we really live in a perfect situation to not know ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And I think actually that's the way those forces work. They want us to be um, estranged from ourselves. And so for me, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing myself and feeling that I'm around others who know themselves, Mm -hmm. pure happiness for me. Wonderful. Whatever the outcome is, I'll live with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. All right totally different vein. And we ask these questions in the order that they originally appeared in on Proust's on questionnaire. Uh, so this will feel like kind of a U-turn. What is your greatest fear?
0: My greatest fear is not doing what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm supposed to write and make art, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, and if I don't do that, then I'm wasting my time. So I guess my greatest fear would just be not doing what? My intuitive organs and Um, what kind of, like, all the circumstances of my life really told me that I'm supposed to be doing, which for me is writing,
2: you know. What is the trade you most deplore in yourself? I will speak first and listen second. Sometimes. But when I do that, I don't like it. What is the trade you most deplore in others? That they speak first and listen second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which living person do you most admire, if there is such a person? That I most admire? Mm -hmm. um, Well, my mother.
0: Nice. Yeah, my mother. Mm -hmm.
1: What is your greatest extravagance?
0: That I take... My time. I channel my inner Maxine Waters and I reclaim my time every every moment that I can. Huh. Time. Yeah. I, I I will really reset and take time for myself if I feel that I need it in any circumstance. I will just
2: that smoke balls sound, like a ninja. That does sound yeah. extravagant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, 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 it is. Fun clarity there, I, I need
0: it. I'm not a big sleeper. I get maybe four or five hours of sleep, yeah. but I, I do need time. Yeah, I guess that ties into clarity, maybe. Yeah. But I, I need time for myself, and yeah. I take it.
1: Yeah. And as you were saying, also, kind of the forces of late capitalism and social media, that alienation that those sort of feed also leaves us with less time.
0: Right. right? Because even though you think you're taking time yourself, and you're on uh, social media and the internet, and you're getting all types of targeted advertisements and the sex right. like that, it's That's not true. time for yourself. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm very much... Um, you know, the strange thing, you know, you're from Berlin, I'm not sure, you're I don't know where you're from. I'm from Virginia. You're from Virginia. Yeah. I'm, I'm from New York, and okay. this 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 art of kind of like finding time within kind of like the multitude in the middle of the metropole. It sounds very 19th century, but yeah. uh, the 19th century got some things right, and I think yeah. that's kind of one of them, kind of finding a, a room of your own or kind mm-hmm. of some headspace while things are going crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took Proust 4,000 pages to come to that realization in his novel, but...
0: In his cork line. Yeah, and well, that,
1: but that was the ultimate realization. Was Wait. he
0: also the ultimate protect, uh, procrastinator? was he yes. like a, he a famous. fierce...
1: Yes, which makes me love him, except that what people didn't realize about him was that he, for all the years that people thought he was a dilettante and just going to parties... He was going home and processing it all. Mm. And That's what
2: I say always when I go to parties. Yeah, yeah. I'm really processing to become Proust.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've tried. The rare that post-party to writer. His, right, the rare post-party writer. Bob Silvers
2: was like that too. He for, was,
1: understand. and he a great Proustian also. But yeah, and you know, so Proust had some things right in the sense that he understood he needed to go home. He talked about it being the black honey of his art, and he would go out yeah. and get pollen and bring it home and and transmute it, but it took him a long time to do that. And the 4,000-page narrative arc of the novel is the meaning that one can find and the way that one can redeem one's wasted time is to make art. Is the black
2: honey of his art?
1: The black honey of his art. It's nice.
2: Rilke, who's my author, says, uh, we are the bees of the invisible. We gather
1: yeah.
2: all the invisible into the hive of our creation. Yeah. So all the other things that are intangible, mm-hmm. we give them shape.
1: I, well we have yeah, a bee like of the
2: invisible today I'm so and I have bees. that someone was saying I have a lot of bees in my poems <laughs> do you really?
0: I, I think Jeez. I do I didn't realize it until after it was Alice Quinn she was like there are bees in your poems and I was like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah right. um, but I thought I got that from the Georgics. Um,
1: Wilka <laughs> I was going to say Wilka yeah. also
0: is a big procrastinator but in a different he procrastinated in a different way it's maybe not safer yeah. not safe for you yeah, out of mixed audience
2: but he had the sense of solitude as an important part of the, pro- the process. Mm.
0: Well, his, his, his art of procrastination involved solitude. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that's what other people do. What is your current state of mind? Um, open. My current state of mind is open.
0: Okay. Open for business.
1: <laughs> open for business. Um, what do you consider the most overrated virtue? And we think this means you know, virtue that's viewed as such by society as a whole or yeah. so not necessarily. We had one man who asked if we were talking about the Christian virtues, which was not necessarily the case, although we're open for business for that. Too. <laughs>
0: trust. Hmm. Trust. Oh. I think that trust as a category is kind of an empty signifier. Hmm. I, I find that trust is something that... Makes sense of itself in the doing but saying trust as a category oh i trust this person doesn't mean anything to me at all it's mm-hmm. it's about context in which you trust someone so i don't i don't i don't think about trust as kind of like a category it doesn't mm-hmm. i need much more specificity than that yeah. and i think with all people there shouldn't be a blanket category or at least maybe the rarest person where you just use trust full stop yeah um i think it's healthy to have um doubting whether it was the doubting thomas
1: yeah right yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, or job himself yeah um but 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 um trust for me that does not mean that that the idea of trust is not important but i i think that we valorize it when it's kind of a caloric type of mm-hmm. quality in and of itself yeah so for instance i trust uli but we'd have to get into a range of specifics just with right. uli in terms of like what we trust each
2: other about yeah, about it's not a state; it's a practice. Yes, yeah. or becoming it. Right, and hence, and, 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 and it's staked on its its disappearance. Right. When you say you trust yes. somebody, that means you know there could be the absence of trust.
0: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I think that's maybe why when we feel that that is um, absent, our language actually becomes very feral and reduces and pinwheels. We just repeat ourselves, right? So I'll mm-hmm. we'll say like, "How could you do this to me? Right. How could you do? How could you do this to me?" Right. But we don't tend to dissertate you know, we, mm-hmm. don't, we don't have Roman eloquence when, we, when our sense of trust right. is violated. We, yeah. we kind of become real um, um, language animals. And I mean, it's kind of a really kind of feral and reduced thing. But yeah, no, so. On what occasion do you lie? On what occasion do I lie? Um, I don't think I do very much. I'm a tourist great shooter. I will pull back on certain qualitative assessments when I feel like there's no flesh in the game. I'm just going to hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in hurting someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be, I think, as close to a, a, a um, systematic way in mm-hmm. which I will um, hold back on the truth a little bit, but I very, very, very much treasure the truth and being truthful. Mm-hmm. Or at least people thinking... Or knowing that um, when they're with me, they're going to have a truthful experience, mm-hmm. but I don't kind of fetishize that. In terms of a truthful experience, it means I'm going to say a lot of nasty <laughs> crap, right? There are other ways right. to be truthful. But
1: <laughs> the next question is closer to truth.
2: It's a strange question. What do you most dislike about your appearance?
0: Uh, I wish my teeth were whiter. Oh. Well, you can get that done. That's New yeah. York City. Well, I can't. Get Every it. other <laughs> corner they <have> offer that. <laughs> I cannot like things about myself and live with them okay that's so also true
1: yeah, yeah. alright yeah again late capitalism is telling you to go out and buy a tooth yeah. whitening device and I'm
0: kind of as I, I I am as I came out of the box still <laughs> I even have all my wisdom teeth though I need to take them out
1: oh, 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 oh. oh wow all right. which living person do you most despise if any
0: I don't think there's a living person I'm most despised for two reasons. One, I don't believe in hierarchies. So I'd be kind of like parsing in a in a in a fake way. I can't think of one person I despise more than others. Mm-hmm. I could think of ways to kind of performatively answer that question. Um, but it would be performative.
2: Mm-hmm. Um and the other way is I think that we're all victims. Meaning performative it wouldn't be what do you believe? Really, yeah, I can play two you're things. You just sort of yeah. satisfying. Something. Like I'm a writer, and you, you know it.
0: you see people sometimes you're at a gig, and people are like, oh, who are your favorite writer? And then they roll out like, of course, right. all of the luxurious examples they're supposed Every to. Every Sunday right. morning, who's on your book stand? Right. Somehow those oh, right yeah, book stands, always... right? They're always immaculate. There's right. no, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you know the person's work. Yeah. You can also kind of like sniff out what real influences are. So right. sometimes you see there going, mm, not really. But I, I, I think, that, <laughs> you know, I think that we're all, you know, you look at the, you look at the, um, you look at the world, and I, and I see a, a bunch of uh, victims. The way that we've kind of just given up on the idea of facts and truth, or the the beneficial nature of the humanities and a, a righteous education and doing the right thing, and the, the absence of that in people can be malevolent but just the fact that we've gotten to this point just, I just see like victims and people in need of real help and they're beyond help but um, you know instead of them earning my um, my spite I just kind of like I pity them I find myself um, frustrated mm. but I'm, I'm I'm not one to I don't even use the word hate I don't tend to say I hate this or that yeah. I just try to recover ways too be positive and optimistic I'm a, I'm a strange uh, New Yorker in that I'm a devout optimist mm. um, uh, but I still, I, you know, I just like a lot of shit but there's not, <laughs> there's not, there's not one person I despise uh, more than others I, just, I, I think we really need some help. I wish people were more um, scared of history you know people don't seem to at all be people who are in a position to make substantive change in the world don't seem to fear the swinging sword of history um and i'm perplexed by that and that terrifies me yeah actually honestly but i think those people need um help doesn't matter if i hate them or not
1: so right Mm -hmm. right and terror and pity you know that terrifies you and you feel badly for them feel like they need help but that's that's a different category of feelings, obviously than yeah. despising.
0: Yeah, I want to find a better emotion, something that activates something I can
2: do something with. Yeah. What is the quality you most like in a man? Eye contact.
1: What is the quality you most like in a woman? Eye contact. All right. Okay, and just for the listener, we're all making eye contact. Right now. <laughs> like, no, like, we're make making an stop. extra effort. I was looking, looking at my teeth. I was looking at my, my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: Eye contact, and then take it from there.
1: (laughs) All right. Yeah. I
2: feel because I feel like things um, change. Okay. What about people for whom that's really hard? But there are probably ways of telling why it's hard for somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, But also, I mean, empathy, curiosity. Hmm. You know. Very related. Um, But those, I think, are also um, part of eye contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. strangely enough yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I love moments where kind of you have a conversation and there's not eye contact and, and you both work towards it so I'm enchanted here but I guess a lot of my answers I'm realizing are really about um, um, what's the word in English they're about kind of like jump starting something
1: yeah.
0: else something grander kind of getting on mm-hmm. the road towards something better
1: yeah Yeah, and it sounds like also based on what you said about clarity at the beginning of the interview, that you're looking for a kind of authenticity or honesty, you know, like self knowledge, knowing the other person, empathy, curiosity, contact, and that that again is such a a rare nexus of values, I think, in this day and age.
0: I would say with the rest of it, yes, I don't believe in authenticity, though. The first thing I I don't believe in authenticity as a as a Quality or a thing? Yeah. I think it's a form of bad faith. The rest, right. yes, yeah, I totally yeah,
1: agree yeah. Them, but, but often, yeah. just in the sense that it's like trust. It's a kind of a meaningless. Well, but also difference.
0: it's 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 seeking it's seeking a kind of like preformed sense of something that exists that you shouldn't know exists, oh, right? I see. So you'll yeah. hear somebody say like, "Man, I like ate at a Mexican restaurant. And it was really authentic. I loved it. What did you oh, have? Yeah, I had no, a burrito. No, no, was no, like, yeah. well, no it's <laughs>
1: not... Burrito's oh, American, right?
0: But no. by that, I just mean it's not, well, you are wrong, not right, but it's rather so that in, in, right. in our mind there's a sense of something that's authentic. Right. Mm-hmm. And that takes us away from kind of like um, the experience of finding something that we don't know, which is an authentic self. Mm-hmm. An yeah. authentic yeah, yeah. you would involve me not knowing that you're from Virginia right. or that you live in the West Village, right. but rather a whole system of yeah. conversations and experiences. I sound like they would be fun because it's yeah. fun talking to you,
1: yeah yeah, but yeah. yeah,
0: I don't know what authenticity is, I don't think we should know what it is.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fair, and it's yeah, I, I, the Mexican restaurant example is hilarious, also. It's just it's great to have a poet on to remind I mean, us to to attend to you can our, our, our our
0: authentically German, right? You get to, you know, to like a, uh, exactly, a yeah, yeah. Right. No, I know, well, it's, yeah. A stereotype.
2: it's a stereotype of itself, right? Yeah. And it, it's it centralizes something that is a form of living. Right. And it's from the outside. It's from without, not from within.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, which words or phrases do you most overuse, if any?
0: First of all, is a phrase I use I oh. think way too much. Right. I think that's my mind or organizing a system ideas. Um, first of all, uh, what other words do I use quite a bit? Process. Hmm. I use quite a bit um but you know I'm uh I've always got kind of three languages in my head going at once so there are ways in which I'm kind of like this macaronic loss of of hierarchy in my head sometimes I forget words in the in other languages or even in English um, but I think that's basically it. Like first of all, I used to say like a lot as a kid, but then my dad would go, like every time I said like.
2: Wow. So that, that's a
0: good way to get that. That's a good way to get that out of your system.
2: What's the other two languages? Besides English at this moment? Uh, well Catalan and Spanish. Okay. okay. What or who is the greatest love of your life? Oh my wife, no question. And when and where were you happiest? I hopefully
0: don't know the answer to that question yet. Okay.
2: Uh, Which talent would you most like to have? And we presume it means a talent you don't currently have, but maybe it's one you already have. (laughs) So which talent would you most like to have? I would like to be able to learn so many
0: languages flawlessly, quickly, and efficiently. I wish I could do that. Uh, and true. I fear this thing about age that people say that you kind of lose
2: it. I presume it's true, but I think I it's past the age of eleven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still got time then. Mm-hmm. I actually, um,
2: I actually thought that's what they say. No, right?
1: my mother uh, did some classes. She uh, got her PhD in psychology, and she was really interested in language acquisition in the brain. Mm-hmm. And that, at least, that's what I learned from her back that's in the what day. I it was to eleven me. is yeah. well, eleven is the cutoff for total fluency and a perfect accent, right. and then I think it's sort of diminishing returns. Right. right until at some point at which your brain completely calcifies. And we've any, it's lot, it's none of us have reached that point yet. But
2: yeah, no, I mean, But then I, there's an asymptotic relationship, so I'm probably at an 80% English, but then my German is probably by now going to a 60%, so ultimately you level out. You all level out, yeah, no matter when you so learn your languages, languages, they're yeah. all going to be just a kind of murky, mediocre.
0: Well, yeah, well, I'm just kind of like seeing, um, you know, I have an 8-year-old daughter and a 5-year-old daughter, who I could add mm. to the loves of my life um, hmm. question, but just kind of seeing seeing them go through it, the, the, the minds, is, it's incredible and yeah. mysterious and yeah. Yeah. you feel at, at my age like you've missed all of a sudden, all that time you didn't have in the past, you're like, oh, I should have studied Japanese, right, right?
2: Yeah. whereas back then... Of course, you yeah. were studying, what we call studying, you were absorbing yeah. so yeah. much more information than the 25 words a day or whatever right. you learn or even in two or three languages. Right. But that's what you weren't studying because you were a child. Exactly. Taking in the world which yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, not exactly. being an instruction manual.
0: Or or even I learned something about um, the first time I went to Germany, I think I was twenty. Jeez, and I went to Frankfurt and I was just kind of watching TV and it was the first time I realized that I had been surrounded by a German environment and it was like I was like, Wow, oh, this is a lovely language because I realized I had spent up until then being exposed to German through um uh, televised and cinematic personas. Oh, so yeah. they were always yeah. angry oh, and aggressive. Right? And, yeah, so the, and so the language was always. <laughs> you know what I mean and, uh,
1: so you start to hear kind of cringy. like
0: well cringe, really cringe. No, yeah. but just being in these yeah. types of contexts where you get the full spectrum of moods and everything like that and I just realized there are
2: leaders and poetry and po- and, uh, childhood and love there is but, such a thing <laughs>
0: well sure but the but the experience orders yourself to think that right. because you, you become just a recipient you, yeah. you're a consumer for so many years right. where sure. the language is coming at you in a yeah, way, right. Yeah, um, I think the same is with Spanish for, for a lot of people to understand it just sounds very fast, right? I see, Often. yeah, it's true. Um,
1: or people say, Oh, French is so beautiful and poetic, and it's like it, it's a nice sounding language, but yeah. there are a lot of shades so and it's registers it's just, to it that are beyond just some sort of abstract yeah. and cliched category. Oh, yeah,
2: for outsiders, a bureaucratic text in French is very romantic, right? Not exactly. for people who are reading it. exactly. Yeah.
0: I, well, and and <laughs> I mean, let's face it, shampoo. S-H-A-M-P-O-O-I-N-G is not the most lovely element. No, no I
1: don't. <laughs> yeah, though. The English right? words are I've been really <laughs> often so ugly in French. Clune for clown or clown is so bad. Um, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be?
0: I would care about money more.
1: Hmm. But you'd keep everything else. Without yeah. yes, without yeah. sacrificing without sacrificing being himself. a poet versus yeah. an investment banker or, right. Yeah.
0: right But I would, yeah, I, w- I, would, I, would, I would, prioritize, um, yeah, I would pr- prioritize some of those aspects of my life mm. yeah.
2: Well, you, you're embarking on a new part of your career, and who knows?
0: Yeah, as, but as for me, scre- I take as it
2: as right? So that's sort of in most people's world, that's more closely related to that goal than being a poet.
0: Uh, well, anything's more closely related to that goal than being uh, uh, a <laughs> poet. Oh, uh, well, no, no, I'm also, I'm not complaining. I just, I just, I, I realized that on the, yeah. you know, on the grand spectrum of things, I'm, you know, I'm somebody with a, a family now, but I'm still kind of first and foremost a poet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just, I find yeah. myself thinking about that, you know, and just kind of like, um, you know, financial education and all those types of things that I, I i'm realizing now at my age i find are important and i um i railed against them i think on principle as mm-hmm. being signs of kind of like not having your soul on right sure yeah. you know what i mean yeah and and so i think now my goal is to still be as i am but also kind of like think about those things and have those talks with you know my children and all these types of things. Now that I see my yeah. children and you see just how, how unfair the world is and how people make terrible, terrible uh, economic decisions that end up having existential consequences because yeah. they, they're not educated. We are completely de-educating right. our populace, whether yeah. it's the Bible. Yeah. You know, I'd like to teach my kids about religions without yeah. being religious necessarily about it. And in the yeah. same way, I'd like to teach them about, and you even myself, about financial matters Without being, you know, running a hedge fund or
1: something, right? Right. Yeah, it seems like there should be a way to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that one coming, right? Yeah. You didn't no, see that answer coming. No, right? I didn't. But in fact, I, my husband is an economist, and yet paradoxically, or maybe not paradoxically, he has the he has less awareness of. Actual money and how actual right. money operates than anyone else. I oh, sure, know. it's like mathematicians. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, it's all right. so abstract that yeah. you know. So we'll be in a cab, and he'll be like, what was previous oh, job?" Oh yeah, you wouldn't
2: put that on record. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> but he'll be like, "Oh yeah, um, do we need? Uh, I guess do we have to pay the cabbie now?" You know, like <laughs> no awareness. And so we were just talking about this last night, and he was saying, "Yeah, I kind of, I kind of wish that I had that mm. mindset too." So no, I didn't see it yeah. coming from you, but it was interesting to hear. Um, Because we were just having that conversation in a sort of a contiguous context. Yeah,
0: I I don't mean like, oh, poor me, my pockets are empty, or like, I don't count my change when I get it. But just like, yeah, just those, you know, those types of conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think it's a mentality that, you know, that some people are. So yeah, I was briefly after college, and before I finished uh, my PhD uh, in grad school with Uli, I was an investment banker, and I was a really bad investment banker it turns out that I'm numerically dyslexic so I would reverse numbers all the time and that would have terrible talk about existential consequences yeah, yeah, but sure, sure. Um, but also I remember one of the I worked at Goldman Sachs and one of the partners came to my desk one night and said you know the thing about this job is if you want to do it well you have to really want to be rich and it was so wild to hear that stated so boldly because that I thought, oh, well, it's a good experience and I'll learn about the markets and I'll be able to pay my own rent. But I learned that I was surrounded by people for whom this idea of, I want to be rich, I want to be rich, was animating everything they were doing. It's a very difficult job and the people who do it work incredibly hard, but it's a mindset. And so I think in a related way, thinking and kind of caring more about money, it's a mindset. So it's not... Materialism—it's not the desire to have a, a hedge fund, but mm-hmm. it is a mindset that maybe is one that, especially in our current jobs, all three of our current jobs, we don't.
2: The, the great cultivate. thing is that answer you want, or that motivation you want to be rich is so partial. For what purpose?
1: Yeah.
2: I, I get, I get it, but it well, would be really good to, to, to remember richer, what you want to be rich purpose? for. You want to be rich yeah. for something it's almost like saying you know you want to be healthy I'm knocking on wood of course for what? for its own sake mm-hmm. you want to do things like if you have lots of money you want to do things you don't well, just like want to trust sit on that you. money that's actually yeah. that, that's right. the question that doesn't and if that's the goal in itself that's an end in itself that seems like
1: right. sitting here with all my money now Yeah.
2: <laughs> being unhappy yeah. also you oh, know
0: you know, what, you know what my ears perked up to in what you were saying about um your previous um Vocation (laughs) you said I was sitting at my desk one
2: night. Yeah
1: Oh, yeah. I caught that yeah. point, too. Yeah. Again, right. the oh. poet. With yeah. the, and that, you're right, that's the kicker, because yeah, it, was, it was always at night. Sitting and, in
2: my attic with yeah. my one candle, writing yes. <laughs> no. over the rooftops. Yeah,
1: and that that was a normal, uh, uh, yeah. I, I remember I, what, actually, I failed upwards. I got hired away from Goldman to J.P. Morgan with more uh, money and more responsibility, which was also not a good idea. But my one negotiating point was I want to be able to leave before 3 a.m. Because at Goldman, that was like the minimum. And it's I look back and I think how crazy that I had reached a point a year into my three-year, ultimately, career on Wall Street. And all I wanted was, and that was, I think, for its own sake, or just to get some sleep right. or do some laundry. But yeah, sitting at your desk one night, which I guess we all do now. Do you work at night? Do you write at night? Not, well? any,
0: not anymore. I've gotten to a point where it's like I am i get up very early in the morning, yeah. but at night I'm, I'm done.
1: And that's family time or... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: after we put the girls to bed, quality time with the yeah. misses and yeah. some books and you know, catching up on some movies and
2: everything like that. I can't work at night because then I can't sleep. Well, that if too I work after 8 o'clock, I've been doing it last week, I was doing something and then I just mm. cannot sleep. I used to. I don't mind it actually, I'm awake all night and then I'm thinking about what I'm writing and yeah. then I want to get up again but then it's 4 in the morning and I want to get up.
1: Yeah,
0: the endocrine system. Like, Yeah, I would be just kind of too wired, I think, to get a good night's sleep. So I I really kind of shut it down. And also try to be a good kind of like partner. You know what I mean? Um, I think about that a lot, kind of how to make the the space not kind of like, this is the we live here, but this is the realm where I work. You know? Um, And trying to work that out. Um, But, you know, what you said about 3 a.m. and kind of like getting off by then, I think it also ties into what I said about time, right? Like I couldn't be... I couldn't value the things that I value and have the type of life that you're yeah. you're describing. I think that's right.
1: I think yeah. that, and that's why people who don't like that profession, who've tried it, or maybe people who haven't even tried it, but have some awareness about it, just you know, it's soul killing, and mm-hmm. that's the soul killing part of it. It's not that it's bad to be focused on money or do these mm. deals, or maybe in some cases it is bad, but uh, when you're firing thousands of people, but um, just this idea that there's no room left for you. There's no time. Right. There's no time. Your time always belongs to someone else, and you get paid very well for that. But
0: Remember that Pink Floyd song, Welcome to the Machine?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Welcome, my son. Um, what do you consider your greatest achievement, besides that Pink Floyd reference? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which went right over yeah. my head. <laughs> German. Um,
0: well... I mean, I think I have to, I think I have to go with a holy trinity. My greatest achievements are one, um, that I found the absolute ideal person to spend the rest of my life with, um, which I take no credit for, but it happens, so I'll count it as an achievement. Yeah. Um, and I'm much better in all facets of my life because of that union than I otherwise would be. Having my children, because they're wonderful kids, and I have, you know, my wife and I... With kids, we waited like over eight years to have kids. We've been together for 17 years or so. Um, And when we decided to have kids, we just had one plan, which we still have, and it's that the world is overcrowded. Resources are uh, scarce and even worse, um, um, not divided equitably. Um, There are a lot of assholes in the world. All we wanted to do is if we're going to add... To the world, count is not add two assholes to the world, <laughs> and they're not two assholes thus far. Yeah, I'm that's really far. proud of that <laughs> thus far. Thus far, um, <laughs> and and the, and, the, and the third one is that I've left a paper trail. You know, um, this is a country where not only were people of African descent um, uh, permitted from from writing, but any whites who were found to help them would also be in serious serious legal trouble and probably the threat of great bodily harm um you know the fact that at this point I can leave a paper trail with my name on it kind of um who I've been what I thought um it's not a achievement I take for granted but at the same time I don't want to leave crap on the bookshelves but um I don't take any of that for granted because this country wasn't it was not created for things like that to happen um And there's a way in which the future of this country didn't anticipate me, or you, or you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I keep that in mind. And I I kind of like write to the fact of that and write to the future. Let the future make sense of it, you know. So,
2: Rowan, if you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Me. You. Yes. Thanks.
1: Where would you most like to live? If you're not already
0: living where you would most like to live? Uh, I'd most like to live in New York, um, but if I couldn't live in New York, um, in Paris. All right.
1: Yeah. Have you spent quite a bit of time there? or
0: depends on what... I mean, I've been there a bunch of yeah. times, but, yeah. you know, quite a bit becomes a... Different right, what does that even mean? Yeah. But, I think you, mean, you mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in Paris Yeah, I've lived there. i, I live
2: there. Yeah.
0: Like, there, right, yeah. Like, I really like the 11th, you know. Yeah,
1: it's cool over there.
0: Yeah, it's cool over there. You're close enough to the fourth and all that stuff to kind of be there i've always been like i don't need to be there By yeah. the you know i like to be in real neighborhoods we can kind of get around um you know the west over by the 15th and all that's too like but i like you know um paris seems speaking of not anticipating yourself paris is problematic like new york and everywhere is problematic but i feel like paris is a place where um it's not a shock to see me walking down the street yeah. or having an idea or writing a book yeah. or kind of being arm in arm with my, my wife from Barcelona who looks she's like she's from Copenhagen or yeah. whatever. You yeah, yeah. just kind of go about your business. And I've been a lot of places where you kind of walk by or open your mouth and people are like, you know, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and it gets tiring kind of um, having your existence be an amazing thing. <laughs> mm. And I feel like in
1: Paris, <laughs> no one really gives a fuck. I think that's right which I yeah think I really do think they, they do but
2: they don't share it
1: well they give a fuck about different things than what you're describing they give a fuck that you said hello the wrong way to the waiter when you walked into the restaurant yes, true. and they give a fuck that you you know ate your ice cream with a spoon rather than a fork. right? Right.
0: Whereas conversely, and I don't give a fuck about them giving a fuck about stuff like that. Right. So I'm kind of
1: like, literally... And it's not having your existence be, you know, questioned or deemed, as you say, amazing, which I imagine would get exhausting and it's just bizarre.
2: I like this attitude. You said this in the other interview we had about (coughs) your work and sort of literature that no one anticipated us. Mm. And in some ways to live with that awareness is also important and that means don't expect people to actually accept you because they couldn't. Yeah. It's almost not on them then. That's right. They couldn't anticipate you. So right. it's not on right. them. You were unanticipated as a person, as a being. And that's once you accepted that, then it's not, oh, they're getting it wrong. They should have seen me coming. They never... They, Agreed. You know what I mean? So it's a totally. kind of self-invention in that. And you're writing to say, I'm here, this is who I am. You have to learn that. Mm-hmm. It sort of gives you a space out of others in there. They're bad. They are prejudiced. They have all these assumptions. They do. They have, but it's almost not on them. Right.
0: Whereas, yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And, and just also, you know, uh, you know, I'm a kid of Caribbean. Um, well, I
2: mean, you know, my,
0: I'm, I'm from the Caribbean basically, and I just mm-hmm. feel like I can. There's a version of me in Paris, right? Yeah. You know, my family's from Antigua. And that's this distance from Guadeloupe. Yeah. There's a Guadeloupe version of okay. me in yeah. in in Paris. That kind yeah. of makes sense. So I don't. Whereas, for instance, even, in, you know, in Germany, I would imagine that there would be a lot of assumption that, like, I'm a kid of, like, a U.S. Army, you know, kind of like a company, of U.S. service and everything like that. Right. And for me, who's, I mean, I am only American because I was born here because my folks were bored. They were comfortable and yeah. bored and came to yeah. New York huh. in the 70s. Yeah. Um, uh, which I guess if you're bored, <laughs> where else do you want to be? Yeah. But so that connection, even that connection to, like, the U.S. military or kind of, like, this kind of, like, American thing would seem very weird to me. Even in Germany, because there'd be kind of like a way to make sense, supposedly, yeah. of me.
1: That has nothing to do with you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Paris. It's close enough to to Barcelona, also to be there all the time without being there all the time. Yeah. Got a lot of yeah, family yeah.
2: there and stuff like that. So. What is your most treasured possession?
0: My temperament.
2: Did you mean a material position? No. What do you no. describe it as? Your temperament? Can you describe no. it in a sentence or so? Or well,
1: what do you treasure about it? Um,
0: I think that my, tr- my temperament is the most... I'm not sure if I go for like ego and id kind of uh, stuff. But my temperament is kind of like the bellwether of my intuitive organs. It's, 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 the, it's the map of kind of like my emotions and my sensibilities. Um, I trust it. It doesn't lie to me. I've spent my life kind of like working on it. It's kind of my uh, it's my partner in crime. I have kind of the conversations I need to have conversations with. It's um it's not my psychology. Um it's just I don't know how I can put it other than to say it's 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 like the skyscape. You know, when you look at a, you know, you look at a painting or you look at a photo or you just kind of like look out at the city. You take a lot of on Instagram. You post a lot of wonderful. It's just kind of like the the immenseness of a view. There's a part of me that kind of like takes in the whole picture, um, but it's not. Um, it's something I have, and that I can access. I think it's why I kind of like write. Poems and stuff like that. It has a mind of its own.
2: Mm. Um, I don't know where I got it from. I think I got it from my mom, but mm. I like it. Yeah. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery?
0: Oh, indifference. Mm.
2: Indifference mm. in all aspects, whether it's a political
0: aspect, uh, a, a socioeconomic aspect, a social aspect, um, but even also um, love. You know, people get things wrong, I think, when they think that the worst thing that can happen is that somebody who you loved all of a sudden says they hate you. Back to that word, hate. No, 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 no. I mean, the sharpest sword is indifference. Yeah, that someone right. no you shared a life with suddenly completely indifferent to you. Yeah. That you could be sitting with them pleading yeah. for them to you back, and they're just kind of like, they're just over it. And Beyond over yeah. it, they're just over the conversation, over yeah. your yeah. presence. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I just over. think that indifference mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in love and the suffering of others. It's... Uh, it's a shame that we've been... Well, actually, I was going to say it's a shame we've kind of had that installed in us, but in some ways it's also useful, I think, for some things, right? Like when we are on the side of being indifferent to that person who's... who's it's yeah. survival in some even. cases. Yes. It's yes. also that,
2: because there's also not just love, but other sorts of relations. So sure. can become a mode of survival.
0: Sure. And also even... I think, you know, I have moments where I have to be indifferent to the racial state of things in my writing, because if you're not, I hope that doesn't sound strange, but if you're not, then everything becomes tautological to your oppression and suffering, which means that everything then is about, um, the gaze and power and imposition of others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's something that Tony Morrison had brilliantly right that part of what, um, Racism is, and part of what racial oppression is, is this endless distraction from doing mm-hmm. the great things that right. we're all capable of as individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes, because sometimes
2: the race nonsense is really just trifling. Yeah. What she says, it's a distraction, a deliberate right. distraction
0: oh, for
1: decades
2: to not do your work.
0: Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, I get tired of it. I yeah. become indifferent to it. Yeah.
1: I once, I remember some interview a million years ago um, that Toni Morrison did with Charlie Rose. Oh, yeah. Of all people. 1998. Right? right yeah. And she just took him down. And oh, he was yeah. like, well, so tell me about being a black woman writer. And she's and like, that, I can tell you about being a writer. And, and she said, you know, no, my US problem It's yours. I remember <laughs> once.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I love
1: that you have a year. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: The memory. Um, it's a job requirement, right? The memory. He asked Colson Whitehead once. Oh. He said, so you went to Harvard, Tell me, How did that happen?
2: And he, and he went, yeah, I applied. Nice. So you put it back, Charlie Rose. You are interviewing me. How did that happen? Right.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of um, okay. What would be your favorite occupation? What you know, the real question is, what is your favorite occupation? But assuming mm. that you aren't already doing your favorite occupation, what else would you?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm. I am doing my favorite occupation. Yeah, yeah. If I had to do something else, um, can I say painting? Mm-hmm. Of course. Because I think. I, I mean. I think I was meant to be a painter or musician, actually, but I didn't know how, how one becomes a painter. You know what I mean? I, I just, it's not something that I, I invested any time in kind of thinking about, it, but I still understand the world, I think, mm. first and foremost through this um, kind of constant ekphrasis, this mm. kind of like turning images into words. Um, and then also just a musician I I grew up with music my dad was a bassist in bands and stuff like that and always had music and playing instruments around and everything like that Um, but those are two things where I never I understand them as vocations now in my kind of adulthood but I never I think as a kid understood um, the grind behind them and I don't know that I would have liked that I mean painters are, are by and large insane yeah
1: um
0: and, you know, musicians, I don't know that. I would, I don't know how many kind of, like, trips to Hoboken to kind of, like, play at 1130 at night and end up with, like, 15 bucks for a gig. I'm not sure if, there's a of music, which I do, but I'm not sure that I'd love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, what is your most marked characteristic? And we think that means, what trait of yours do you think people notice first and foremost about you?
0: Mm. Um. I think my intelligence, for better or for worse, you know? Um, you know, I grew up in the 80s and such, I had my fair share of You're so articulate, you're so well spoken, you're so smart, you know what I mean? Um, and I, and I, I do look back now and think that a, a good portion of uh, my formative years were kind of like spent under this kind of like aegis of being the smart one, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and the way that kind of like tracks you or even marks you, but I was. I was also a good athlete, so I was never kind of like, you know, isolated out. But that's right, because right. I also understood kind of unconsciously the, the language of kind of like, the, you know, this masculine language that kind of like keeps you safe. So I could write poems because I was writing lyrics for the bands I was in, you know. I could play sports well and everything like that. And I think those were ways to negotiate my, um, my kind of like developing life in art and as an artist. I never, like, I was never, I never wrote for the student paper, or I never was any in art clubs, I never wore a beret or anything like that. <laughs> I was always just kind of like a guy hanging out, but then when I was home or on my own, or I went to school not too far away from the Met, I would always kind of be dipping in there, but I was definitely, I've always been um, very kind of um, individualistic and idiosyncratic in my um, pursuits of art and mm. such like that. Yeah. What do you most value in your friends? I most value in my friends that they value themselves because I hate repeating myself and I find myself having... I have a lot of patience, I think, for a lot of different stuff, but I don't have much patience for people who pinwheel on the same types of um, failings or or failures. I understand that that happens and perhaps this is my least sympathetic side mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Um, but I I... I I like to be around people that ask themselves the hard questions about themselves. They don't have to do it in my presence, but you can kind of just tell when people have Mm. spent time with themselves. Mm. And I think you can tell when people have not spent time with themselves. And I find that when you're around people who don't spend time with themselves and they keep kind of like tripping over the same rocks again and again and again, you end up in the same kind of like position with them and trying to support them in the same ways. And that's kind of like a form of um, death and life. So... I just like people being able to kind of, like, face up to themselves. um, It's hard to explain, but I think you can tell when kind of people have woken up in the mirror and kind of had a good look in the mirror and Mm -hmm. take it. You take it from there. Mm -hmm. I also don't need a lot of friends, honestly. Um, But that's because um, when you got good ones, it's not not quantity. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who Are your favorite writers? And I know you just talked about yeah, people really answering don't. that
0: question and sort yeah, of. Yeah, like I, I really do. I honestly do not about. have favorite writers. I love, I mean, I feel like writers you absolutely love have to let you down at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and writers who you don't think anything of have to surprise you mm-hmm. at some yeah. point. Even yeah. with, the, it could be a paragraph, it could be a stanza. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I live for those moments as well. Mm-hmm. They give me hope, first of all, that kind of like people you, 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 you hold to the highest level of estimation can fail, but also yeah. people who you don't really have on your radar can rise up and have these great moments. Yeah. Reminds me of that great moment in, um, in Yeats's Vacillation when he writes, um, and for 20 minutes more or less it was so great, my happiness, that I was blessed and could bless, you know? But yeah, so I don't, I don't need to have favorites. It doesn't seem like it does anything... Um, for me, I just try to read everything. Um, I leave myself open to wonder and surprise and, and disappointment. I mean, I can tell you about novels I absolutely loved at 20 that I don't at all love now, and I can tell you why, and I think that's really an important part of the process, right. yeah. and vice versa.
1: We talk about that all the time, the yeah. books that used to be so important that now just aren't the books that surprise you later.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, the most important thing with art is to have a non-hierarchical mind. Um, and that doesn't mean that there's not a canon. That does not mean that there's not a sense of um, some work um, doing what they need to do better than
2: others. Um, but I just...
0: I, 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 don't, I don't do favorites. So
2: Who's your hero, if you have one in fiction, and we assume it would include film also, uh, an, an invented person? Not true. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um...
0: Oh, whoa. That's a good one. I don't know. I'm going to say, though, I'm going to say Superman. At his best, I'm going to say Superman. He's an immigrant. He's a refugee. Right. He
2: he. he uh, he's not an at-play. <laughs> he's both
1: so smart and plays sports. Sort of. <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: Well, but also, right. you know what? He's someone. He's someone who, in terms of the occupation that he chose in being a reporter, chose something where um, super strength, super speed, none of that does the helps him. You have to be able to write. Yeah. You have to. Really, be able to report mm-hmm. and write. Um, I think that that's admirable, um, and I think that the idea, at its best, and even when we look at the you know the Superman from the nineteen thirties, um, he was a lefty. He was around the kind of like you know he, he dressed up in loud co- loud tight colors, yeah. and yeah. his hair was fabulous, yeah. and he was there to kind of like stand up for the people. His 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 arch enemy is a uh, arch industrialist straight out of central casting for an Ann Rand, mm-hmm. yeah. you know novel. Yeah. Um, and as perfect as he may seem, his work is, is unethical, right? I mean, he's he's violating all types of kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. r- journalistic, sure. you know, credos yeah. um, by what he does and with his partner. But he's he's, I don't know. I find it in a very interesting although imperfect premise. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that it translates well, too, if you think of yourself either as a woman or as a German or as a, a, a black individual, kind of like what if,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And I love your point about how he could have really picked any job. Like, construction worker would have been super easy for yeah. Superman, but yeah. the idea that he chose the one thing that yeah. his super strengths weren't going to... Yeah. He serve. could have been
0: a he could have been a sculptor and yeah. never had to have an office job and just kind of like make amazing sculptures out of diamonds in yeah. two seconds and, and be ultra rich. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But there's this kind of desire to be in the Metropole among the people and kind of like put in a shift. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and report report the truth. Which historical figure do you most identify with, if any?
0: Oh um,
1: Oh.
0: Wow. Um does Adam from Genesis count? He's not a historical figure. That does not count. <laughs> no, Sure. <I> <laughs>
1: no, that taken. doesn't count. That yeah.
2: does, does count? America believe he wasn't
1: right.
0: historical figure.
2: Well I'm not so. in that I'm not in that half, so, so you can put uh, him in the fictional heroes. Okay, we can yeah. move between those
0: two yeah. Um
2: Well he's definitely not a hero. <laughs>
0: um Well, you know what? None, I realize. And and, and I realize it's none because uh, when you're black and you think about your relationship to history, it's 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 hard, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's a, a large part of kind of what history would mean. And I don't mean my personal history because I don't know what my personal history is. But in terms of kind of like um, how I'm supposed to relate to history, I don't have all of it. I mm-hmm. just have kind of the history that has been given to me as such. Um, but, you know, motifs of time travel and thinking about the past are incredibly fraught and problematic. I certainly love history. And, mm-hmm. You know, I've, been, I've <laughs> I read as much historical fiction and poetry as I can, um, but the, the history that we have, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't find myself... Um, i I would have to change the notion of the game before I could... Mm -hmm. answer that in a way that makes me feel as though I'm actually giving Mm -hmm. an honest answer because I don't have my history it's part of the tragedy um, and the glory we don't have our history I would even say Mm -hmm. Um, that's part of the tragedy and the glory of of uh, being us and having moments like we're having in this conversation Um, man I I'm really not trying to be coy I just I really do think about the structures well I think about the difference between choices and options right and I think about the structures in which I'm being asked to make either a choice or an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this history as we have it doesn't 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 work for me to just kind of like plug myself into it.
1: Right. So. Like, oh I could go back and be Napoleon. Yeah.
0: yeah no. Who are your heroes yeah. in real life? Oh man. You know, my heroes in real life are definitely my my folks, my grandmother, you know my wife, her folks who lived through a dictatorship you know um, you know living's, living's hard um, and making making good people in light of that I think is even harder it's difficult I admire people who do it and that doesn't mean that their resume is right, right or they kind of like got into the right schools I guess that would be part of the resume being right um, but it's just like, yeah, the world is filled with assholes. I really honor people who kind of like put in a good shift mm-hmm. and also manage not to bring more assholes into the world. <laughs> and I'm really, really bothered by people bringing more assholes into the world. Yeah. It's unnecessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? At a minimum, it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unkind. It's, 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 it's unkind. <laughs> it's, it's unkind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I mean, definitely my, you know, my mom, my wife, her folks, my grandparents... Well, my grandmother's the only one still alive, but, you know. What are your favorite names? Nuria, my wife's name, and Imogen, and Astrid, my daughter's name. Nice.
1: <laughs> what is it that you most dislike? Ignorance. Ignorance?
0: Mm-hmm. Strikes me as unnecessary. And willfully unnecessary, right? A lack of, a lack of curiosity about our, our contradictions, Right? You know, we will have, you know, if, God forbid this happens, if something happens to Ruth Bader Ginsburg within the next year, we're going to have Mitch McConnell do backflips to, to get another Supreme Court justice in, right? The, 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 the rampant hypocrisy of that act will be obvious to everyone, but most people, they just won't. Here. Yeah. Here. You know, you have people in large swaths of this country, geographical swaths, who are completely against policies which would give them health insurance, and they don't have it now, and they're suffering, and they have no idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. This, to me, is ignorance. Right. It's ignorance.
2: What is your greatest regret? I don't believe in regret. Um, You know, my mom
0: raised me to control things I can control and things I can't control, and just kind of... Ah, uh, let him go. But if I can do something about something, I do it. If I can't, I pass um, or I process it so I can do something better the next time. But regret to me seems like uh a form of kind of like not acting, not being, and and um, not learning. It's it's kind of like this 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 um, placebo, for action. Of doing when, something when
2: you about said it, I thought of sort of the Emily Dickinson, I dwell impossibility impossibility because when people use the word dwell they think I dwell on it as if it's looking in the past and she says no I dwell in possibility which turns that word around into something forward looking right on and creative rather than dwelling obsessing impossible for doors
0: absolutely right Um, and so no I mean you know I really value risk and I think that a lot of what I'm saying involves a lot of kind of risk with yourself it's very easy to be like I don't believe it regret I'm a sociopath. Right? I don't give a fuck so, about yeah. it, right? And so there's like a way in which
2: Aristotle between courage and recklessness, <laughs> right? But, and know? so there's
0: this, there's this, there's this risk with with being that way, and and um, um, I accept that, um, but I don't want it to turn into kind of like an excuse for malevolence. Um, mm-hmm. But I, but I do also try to be um, emotionally and ethically uh, efficient, not pragmatic, but just kind of efficient. Mm-hmm. And, Regret doesn't seem very efficient to me. Yeah.
1: yeah. How would you like to die?
0: When it's my time. Um, but the rest is not in my hands, so I don't even think about it.
2: I don't know. What is your motto? Choose your battles. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah. Good. Efficiency again. It's from my mom. Yeah. it's a good one. Um, oh, and then we've added a final question to the original Proust questionnaire, which is who, which person, and ideally it would be a living person, uh, would you like to hear doing this podcast answering these questions?
0: Ooh. Um. Whoa, that's a good one. Um, living.
1: Yeah, living. Ideally, because oh, okay. maybe we will, maybe we'll ask them. Okay. Oh, huh? oh, great, great, yeah. great. In that case, um,
0: Stevie Wonder.
1: Oh
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was worth the wait, right? Oh my
1: God! <laughs> yes, he was. I feel like maybe he wouldn't. He won't do it, will he? He'd be ready,
2: of course. He needs to share.
0: (laughs) That'd be so great. If you do, I tell him I say hi and much respect.
1: We'll do. do Now we'll invite you in to yeah, ask some of the questions. Well, thank you so much. This was really, really it was wonderful to talk to you.
2: No, it was a real pleasure. Pleasure Yeah, thank you for being on my second podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much.